Hey, everybody. Good to see you guys. I'm Alex. How we doing? Hey, I don't know. Ooh, I got a woo. I don't know about that is helpful tonight because I, I got to admit, this is that point in the semester where, I don't know about you guys, but I am just like feeling kind of zapped. Like, do you feel that? I, I don't know. We're maybe like 10 weeks in, I think. Is that right? And yes, I got confirmation on that. Thank you. We are 10 weeks in. Things are catching up to me. I feel like the things that I have to do are just sort of piling on. I have had, you maybe know this, I have had like no voice for the last week and a half. This is way better than it has been. I don't know, like I feel like, like I was thinking about it this morning, I feel like I could sleep for like 30 hours straight. I don't know. I, I would love that at this point. Just try it out, see what happens. But overall, this week, it has just been getting me. I am zonked. And I don't know, maybe that just means I'm old, like I can't hack it. But I, I've been talking to you guys, and I don't think that's the case. I, I think for a lot of us, we're all kind of in the same boat. And I think that because two weeks ago, we, we were at Camp Veritas down at Table Rock Lake. Some of you guys were there. But if you weren't, uh, what we did is part of the weekend, we, we had time where we like split up and did small groups. And we just used the time to kind of talk through the weekend, talk through things we were learning. And one of the questions that we asked was how, if you had to summarize your semester in just one word, just one word, what would that word be? So we were sitting there like our group, we were just pondering for a minute, trying to think of words, but then words started popping up. And you know what those words sounded like? They sounded like tired, busy, distracted, overwhelmed. The girls in the, my group, they, they started talking about how much they had going on, all the things that they had to do when they got back to Columbia, how much was on their plate right now. And I'm not saying that like to, to like call them out or like put them under. I was nodding along the whole time because I felt it too. Like a lot of us, I think we feel that. But I, I felt it a ton. If you know me, you know that I am like, I'm always on the go. Right? I am always doing something, getting something done. I'm walking a million miles an hour for no reason. I just, I like being on the move. And I think part of that is just my personality. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I'm wired. But then there's this other part of me that knows, maybe deep down, that, that there's something else going on. Because sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like I got to keep going. I got to do the next thing because what I do it sort of defines me. Like, like it feels a lot of times to me like what I do makes me who I am. In, in culture, the culture around me, culture around us, it is happy to help me believe that. It's healthy, happy to help all of us believe that. Like think about the messages that, that get sent to us every single day that tell us what we do is who we are. Think about how many jobs are commissions-based, which if you don't, want the, don't know what that means, it's fine. It, it just means that the more you sell, that, that directly determines how much money you make and how successful you are. How many jobs are like that? Or, or just think about social media. Like, that is the place where we post pictures of what we do, and then we just wait for people to like it and to, like, deem that thing cool, to deem us cool. Or, I don't know, even studying. Like, for the most part, the more you study, usually, the better grades you get. And the better grades you get, 
I don't know, the better your resume looks, the better you look on your resume for a future employer. Those are just a few, just a, a, a handful of the messages that we're always getting that tell us, train us to believe that we should define ourselves by what we do. I was with a group of freshmen last week, some of you guys are in this room, and we were discussing the topic of identity. We were just talking about what makes us who we are. And we started the conversation off by asking, how would you describe yourself to strangers? Like, how do you talk about yourself to someone who doesn't know you? And most of us, we gave answers about things that we did. We said, you know, like, I, I go to Mizzou. I study journalism. I work at Starbucks. I play soccer. I'm an RA. I serve in Veritas. Stuff like that. But then the next question the next question was, how do you want to be described? So, like, how do you want people to see you? How do, how do you want them to talk about you? And it was so interesting because almost immediately, our answers, they shifted. And instead of saying things like, I want to be seen as a teacher, or I want to be seen as a, a singer, a, a basketball player, a churchgoer, the things that we do, instead, it was... I want to be seen as caring. I want to be seen as honest, thoughtful, joyful, loyal, fun, easygoing, all of these other qualities. And suddenly we, we weren't talking about the things that we did. Suddenly we're talking about the character that we wanted to show. And it just, it got me thinking. I, I stopped for a second and started to wonder what really matters when it comes to who we are. What really matters? Is, is it what we do or is it the character that we show? And this is weird, but it got me thinking about my birthday a couple weeks ago where I, I got a couple of texts and, and notes from friends who knew me really well and they were so thoughtful. They were thoughtful not because they listed out all the things that I do day in, day out. That wouldn't mean anything, right? You are so great because you go to work every day. Good job. No, that would be like kind of lame. That wouldn't mean a ton to me. They were thoughtful because these friends, they pointed out characteristics, qualities that they saw in me and appreciated. And it meant a lot to me to hear that. And I realized at the end of the day, what I do, like how much I get done, how, how productive I am, how busy I am, that's never going to mean nearly as much to me as what my character shows to other people. It's not going to matter as much. So the culture, it, it can tell us that we are defined by what we do. But deep down, I think we have this sense that what really matters to us is our character. I think that's the case. And I think, I think it's the case because that is the way God designed us. It, it's the case because just like us, God really cares about our characters, not just the things that we do. There's a, there's a strange, a strange story in Mark that, that makes this point. So tonight we're going to read it. We're going to be in Mark 11. And, and kind of the context of Mark 11 is that the, the disciples are walking with Jesus and they are in and around Jerusalem, which is like the main city of worship for God's people, for the Israelites. But what we're going to read tonight, it is just two stories of day one, day two, of them walking into Jerusalem. That's all, okay? 
So we're going to jump in. We're going to jump in at Mark 11, verse 12. And this is where we start. It says, when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now, if you are reading this in a Bible or a book, jump down now to verse 20, okay? So that was day one. This is day two. This is the same walk, just the next day. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter, he's one of the disciples, he remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Okay, kind of a strange story, right? But honestly, not just strange. Like this story, it actually kind of brings up some serious issues for people. It doesn't always sit right when people are reading it. First, for a couple of reasons. First, because this is the only miracle that Jesus does, that we have recorded at least, of him destroying something rather than bringing healing or, or giving life to something. So it seems really out of character for Jesus. It, it doesn't seem like him. That's an issue. But then second, depending on the way that we read this story, it can look like Jesus is punishing a poor little tree for something that it, it cannot control. Like, like it says it right in verse 13, for it was not the season for figs. If it's not the season for figs, like it shouldn't be expected to produce fruit, right? So what is going on here? Like, what, is, is Jesus being vindictive? Like, is he, I don't know, is he hangry and, and just out of, like, a moody impulse, he decides to zap this tree? What is going on? What's happening? See, some of you, when you read this, when we read this passage, a lot of us, I think, I think we can kind of start to have an image of this kind of Jesus start to form in our head. We start to see him as maybe an angry figure who, who, who's expecting a whole lot of us in impossible situations. Like some of you tonight, you guys, are, you guys are dealing with some heavy stuff, and I know that because I've talked to you about it. Some of you are dealing with sicknesses that doctors, they like can't really figure out. Others of you have panic attacks that, that you cannot control. They will not go away. You don't know when they will pop up. Some of you are paying for everything out of your own pocket and you're just barely making ends meet. Some of you are watching your parents go through a divorce. Whatever it is, whatever your situation is, you're just trying to do your best. You're doing your best, but it, it feels like Jesus is disappointed in you for not doing enough, not doing more. So sometimes we can feel like that fig tree, just getting punished for something that we cannot control, something that we can't live up to. If that's you guys, 
if that's any of you in here, whether you follow Jesus right now or not, I think it'd be good for all of us to, to pause, take a second, and learn a few fun facts about fig trees, okay? So fig trees, this is a fig tree. And the fig tree, something to know about it is that it drops all of its leaves in winter, which is normal. Most trees do that, right? But then in March or April, these branches on the fig tree, they start to sprout what are called fig knobs, okay? They're, they're these little fruit buds that come up on the branches. And then after that, after, okay, after the fig starts to grow, then leaves start to appear on the same branches. So the figs start growing first. If you see leaves on a fig tree, it should mean that figs, if you see the leaves, the figs should already be there. Okay, so, so Jesus, he may not be out of his mind for expecting to see some fruit on there. Maybe it's not like ripe yet. It's not directly in season, but this kind of helps resolve that issue that we're seeing in verse 13, because if there are leaves, there should it, at least be some edible growing figs for Jesus to eat. Okay, so, so maybe that helps us a little bit, right? It kind of sorts out part of the issue, but we're still left with the other issue. We're left with the issue that this is a miracle that Jesus uses to destroy. It's a, it's a miracle of destruction, and that feels out of pocket for Jesus. It does not feel like his character. Back to fun facts about fig trees, okay? In the Old Testament, a couple times, the prophets, these spokespeople for God, they would talk about fig trees as, as a metaphor for Israel. So they would talk about fig trees as as if it were Israel. And Israel, they were, they were God's people. They were his representatives. They were supposed to be uh, displaying who he was to other people. They were meant to demonstrate his character, reflect his character. And so just like a fig tree produces really good fruit, God's people, they reflected his character and, and gave blessing to the people around them. Or at least that's what they were supposed to do. But more often than not, in the Old Testament, what we see is that God's people, the Israelites, they turn away from God. And instead of reflecting his character, time and time again, what they do is they reflect their own character of, of selfishness, of pride, of deceit, of sin. Look at the way the book of Jeremiah, look at how it describes Israel. It says this, when I would gather them, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered, and what I gave them has passed away from them. So instead of representing God's character, reflecting God's character, the Israelites, they are acting as if they are, they are looking like a, a withered, fruitless fig tree, which is exactly what we see in Mark 11, right? See, Jesus, he wasn't out there just like blasting random trees for no reason. He, he was doing something. He was teaching his disciples a lesson. Like after all, if you caught it, he, he, he curses this tree loudly enough for his disciples to hear. He wants them to see a connection between this tree and Israel. This tree, it, it looks healthy from a distance. 
It has all the signs of life. It's got leaves. It should be producing fruit, but it's not. And Israel is the exact same. We're not going to read it, but right in between these two days when they are walking to Jerusalem, there's a short story in between. So you may know it, but if you don't, let me, let me just quickly summarize verses 15 through 19. So after Jesus curses this fig tree, he goes into the city, into the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple, what that is, is it's a place of worship. It, it's where people are making sacrifices to God, honoring his name. It's called like a house of prayer for the nations. That's its purpose. So Jesus, he walks in. And what he sees is that rituals are happening. There are sacrifices being made to God. People are praying for sure. But amidst all of that, that is, it has been co-opted by, by commerce. Like it's, it's an entire market at this point. There's merchants there. There's money changers. And, and this house of prayer has become something completely different. And Jesus, he gets heated. He starts driving people out. He starts flipping tables all over the place because Israel, they have started acting like this fig tree. Israel, it looks healthy from a distance. The temple, it is full. It is busy. People are doing a lot of things for God, but really there is no fruit happening. They are not reflecting God's character in any way. So Jesus, what he does is he gives a warning. He says, hey, just like a fig tree that is not producing good fruit, God's people right now, they are, they, are not, they are not reflecting him in their character. They may be doing a lot for him, but they are not looking like God in the way that they live. So he warns them. But that warning, that warning, it, it's not a history lesson, right? It's not just for us to look at and say, oh, man. Poor Israelites, they really flubbed it up. No, no, that applies to us too. Like we are just as much as the Israelites were 2,000 years ago, we are God's people today. And it means that we are called to reflect God's character too. Following Jesus, it means displaying who he is to the people around us. It means demonstrating what he is like, not just with what we do, but in our character as well. We should be reflecting who God is like, displaying who he's like, not just in what we do, but in our character. Like, I'll, I'll say, I think that it is, it's easy for some of us in here, it's easy for some of us to do what Jesus is calling us to do. And I, Maybe that sounds weird. I don't mean that in a, like, a prideful way. But I think that some of us in here, it's easy for us to do things like show up on Tuesday nights and, and worship and learn about God's word. That is enjoyable for us. We like being here. Maybe it's easy for some of you to be in a group, a small group or a connection group, a Veritas study, and to learn there, to pray with other people, pray for people. That's life-giving to you. I don't know, maybe you even like being here on Sundays. It's easy for you to, to be here at a service, to serve at the crossing on Sundays. I think, I think it is easy for some of us, in some ways, to do a lot for Jesus. 
to, to identify ourselves, define ourselves as Christians by the things that we do. And we're doing a lot. But I think it's way harder for us, and I mean us. I think it's way harder for us to define ourselves as Christians by the character that we consistently show. Like it is challenging. It is hard in our day-to-day to reflect Jesus in the way that our character responds, thinks, acts, speaks, moment by moment by moment. Every day, that is tough. That's really difficult. But Jesus, he's, he's warning some of us that, that we are doing a lot for him, but there's, there's not fruit attached to that because we're not showing his character through it. See, if we want to be bearing fruit, if we want to be reflecting his character in our life, then how we show others that character, it really, really matters. So the question becomes, okay, what exactly is that character that we need to be reflecting? Like, what does specifically, what does Jesus' character look like? And I think aside from just spending time in the Gospels and the four accounts where we get to just personally follow Jesus and his life, that's a great place to start. But I think one of the best answers that we have in the New Testament is in the book of Galatians. So here's what Paul, Paul says in the book of Galatians. This comes from chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, so this is Jesus' Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, this list of attributes right here, this is is what makes up Jesus' very own character. So remember that question. Remember that question I asked at the beginning. How would you describe yourselves? How how would you describe yourselves? Or better yet, how do you want to be described? How do you want people to see you, know you, talk about you? What words, think about this, what words would you hope that people use when they describe you? Are those words the things that you do? Or are they the character that you show? Are the words these words or are they other words? See, how do you want to be described? If you are following Jesus, if we call ourselves Christian and and we want to reflect who he is, then this character right here, this is what we should be growing in day by day. This is what we should want people to characterize us as. This is how we should be acting day in, day out, in big ways and in small ways. So so look at this list for a minute. And just think about it. Like practically, how could you live out your next day, your next week, in in a way that starts reflecting some of these things? This is a whole life thing. Like this is all connected. These aren't separate things. So there are countless ways that we get to show this. But, but what could it be for you? I don't know. Like maybe it could just be that tomorrow you love someone well by putting their needs in front of yours, before yours. Maybe you just choose to show joy in a day that is really terrible. I don't know. Maybe you offer peace to someone who you disagree with or, or 
patience with someone who really grinds your gears, just annoys the heck out of you. Maybe you show kindness by listening well or goodness just by being honest and a trustworthy friend to people. Maybe you can be faithful by staying committed to that promise that you made. I don't know, whatever it is, whatever situation you are in, this list right here, this is what should describe our lives more and more if, if we are following Jesus. Chris Wright, uh, he is an author that I absolutely love. He wrote a book. It is one of my favorite books. It's called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. And I periodically reread it. It's just that good. Like, this is not a waste of your time. Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. You should read this book. It's fabulous. But this is what Chris Wright says in it. We look on the outside and assess people by how they are doing. We could say what they are doing, how, how much they are doing, right? And pay much less attention to what kind of character they have become or are becoming. But look at the qualities in Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit. They do not focus on what kind of performance we can achieve, but what kind of person we are. See, we can be doing a lot. We can be doing a lot for Jesus. We can be at all the right events. We can have all the right commitments. We can serve in all the right places. But if we are not bearing fruit in reflecting his character, then, then that doesn't quite matter. Like what we do for Jesus, it does not matter if we are not choosing to display, pursue his character in our lives. Our character, it matters. E even if we believe that, though, like if you agree with me on that, you believe that, sometimes I get that it still feels just like an uphill battle. It, it still feels like we are in a no-win game, that we are set up to fail because our days can be really hard. Like we are tired. We're overwhelmed. Ooh. We are anxious about things. People hurt us, hurt our feelings. We're put in these impossible situations. So honestly, how are we expected to grow, to show God's character, Jesus' own character? How are we supposed to do that in these conditions? Well, as, as the music team comes back up, I, I, think, I think that we can take a cue from wine grapes. So trust me on this one. Wine grapes... They, they thrive in really crummy conditions, okay? Here's how wine grapes grow. Some of them can endure temperatures that are like negative 30 degrees, okay? And when they're in soil, the, the soil that they like, the soil that they do best in, you know what it is? It is just so rocky. It's like chock full of things like clay and sand and slate. Wine grapes, they're, they're on a hill, they're, they're built on a hill so that water runs off, so that they don't get to soak up those nutrients, that water into their roots constantly. They don't get that. And they just bake all day in the sun, all day, every day, they are in the sun. But what those conditions do is they refine the grapes. They make them very dense and very sugary and very flavorful. Wine grapes, they do best when things are difficult. And I think the same goes for our character. 
I do. I, I don't think we grow quite as much when our days are easy and comfortable. I think it happens when things are difficult. I think it happens when our, our patience and our kindness are tested. I think it happens when we have to choose to be gentle rather than harsh. We have to choose, decide to, to show self-control in the way that we speak. It's in those times that Jesus is producing real fruit in us. See, this is, following Jesus, it's, it's not easy. It, it is not easy. Reflecting his character, that's going to be something that we almost assuredly fail in each and every day. But there is hope for us. There really is. And it comes in the answer that Jesus gives right back in Mark 11. When Peter, when he notices that the, the tree has withered, he points it out to Jesus. And, and this is what he says. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Have faith that when you pray to God to be shaping, changing your character, he will do it. Have faith that Jesus is working in you, even when it looks slow or, or even non-existent. It might be, it could be easier to follow Jesus in the things that we do, but real fruit is produced when we show a character that reflects who he is. So have faith. Know that he is changing you, that he is working in you, and glorify his name by reflecting his character in all of your life. Amen.